Chapter Three of Travel Stories Retold from Saint Nicholas by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: Traveling in India by Mabel Alberta Spicer here in the western world where everything is hustle and bustle where express trains automobiles telephones telegraphs pneumatic tubes and most recently aeroplanes save us hours of time it is difficult to realize that on the other side of the world things are moving along at the same slow pace at which they did centuries ago also here in america where everybody is saying i have no time i have no time i have no time it seems strange to think that there are countries where time has no value whatsoever where people believe they have to live thousands and thousands of lives before they reach their heaven and consequently have no regard for time imagine spending the whole night in the train to go one or two hundred miles imagine also everybody's surprise if some traveller should attempt to take with him into an american sleeping-car a roll of bedding a box of ice sawdust and bottles of soda-water a huge lunch-basket spirit-lamps umbrella-cases hat-boxes suitcases and bags without number a talkative parrot and a folding-chair or two he would be thought quite mad of course and would not be allowed to enter the car yet this is how people travel in the trains of india sometimes to be sure the chairs and noisy parrot are left at home but quite as often golf sticks and a folding cot are substituted native travellers often carry their cooking utensils and stoves with them no one is in a hurry and the train often waits quite long enough at stations for them to install their stoves on the platform and cook a good dish of rice most trains have first second and third class carriages europeans and americans usually travel first class for the best in india is bad enough when compared with the luxuries of travel in western countries most of the carriages are about half as long as those in america and divided into two compartments without a corridor each having a lavatory at one end running along each side of the compartment just under the windows is a long leather-covered bench which serves as a seat during the day and a berth at night it is equally uncomfortable in both capacities above this folded up against the side of the car is a leather-covered shelf that lets down to form the upper berth my first experience in indian trains was at night my turbaned servant arranged my bedding on a bench in a compartment reserved for ladies switched on an electric fan salaamed and went off to find his place in a servant's compartment adjoining most trains have special compartments for servants it is impossible to travel comfortably in india without native servants while i was in the dressing-room preparing for the night i heard a noise outside and looking out saw an old man with a lantern down on his knees looking under the berths he said that he was looking for me that he was afraid i had missed the train finally after a great ringing of bells tooting of whistles waving of lanterns and a chattering of natives we pulled out into the darkness and heat the electric fan burred mosquitoes hummed and bit the train rocked wildly from side to side i was just dozing off when lights were flashed in my eyes more bells whistles and chattering natives 
the door burst open and an englishman ordered his man to put his luggage in the compartment i called out that it was reserved for ladies and he disappeared with a sorry out into the darkness again only to be aroused at the next station by the guard who shouted tickets please the night was one prolonged nightmare of heat noise jolting and mosquitoes by five i was beginning to sleep when i was startled by a cry of chodahazri i sat up in alarm wondering what those dreadful sounding words could mean when the shutters by my head were suddenly lowered and a tray of toast and tea thrust in at me i accepted it and gave up all idea of sleep the dreadful sounding words i found meant little breakfast sometimes we had our meals from a tiffin basket which we carried with us sometimes from a restaurant car or again at the station cafe while the train waited and sometimes when all of these failed us not at all during the winter travelling was more comfortable it was so cold that we needed heavy rugs over us some of the express trains go from twenty to thirty miles an hour each time that the train stops there is great confusion the natives arrive at the station hours ahead of time here they squat patiently until the train arrives when they quite lose their heads in an attempt to find places in the crowded carriages they run excitedly up and down the platform clinging to one another clutching at their clumsy luggage and screaming at their servants and the trainmen equally agitated groups pour out of the cars and scurry off to find bullock carts or ecas to drive them to the town which is usually some distance from the station boys and women with sweets fruit drinking water toys cheap jewelry and various articles of native production cry their wares at the car windows others sell newspapers which are apt to be weeks old if the purchaser does not insist upon seeing the date the platform presents a riot of strange costumes bright colors quick-moving figures with jingling bangles and ankles unholy odors and clamorous sounds at the stations we were met in different parts of india by the greatest imaginable variety of conveyances carriages with footmen and drivers in state livery sent by the native princes hotel and public carriages after models never dreamed of in america bullock carts elephants camels rickshaws and in calcutta and bombay taxi automobiles when your driver starts off down the street at a reckless gait clanging a bell in the floor of the carriage with his foot and a boy on a step at the back calls out away as you bowl along you wonder if you have not taken by mistake a police wagon or an ambulance but it is all right you hear the same shouting and clanging of bells from all the other carriages along the route this noise is necessary to make the idlers who stroll along the streets hand in hand get out of the way of the carriages there are so many horses in india that one wonders why any one should ever walk and in fact very few do they are of all grades differing as much as does the shabbiest beggar from the most gorgeous rajah the conveyances to which they are harnessed range from the rickety public ekas to the royal gold and silver coaches used on state occasions one sees these wretched-looking public carriages that can be hired for a few cents filled with lazy natives and pulled along by a poor little pony that looks as if it were half starved 
contrasting with these poor overworked creatures are the thoroughbreds which literally die in the stables of the princes for lack of exercise when we were visiting in the native states the chiefs sometimes offered us saddle horses the first time i rode one of these i started off gaily nothing fearing from a gentle canter my mount suddenly broke into a dead run supposing that horses in all countries understood the same language i said woe first mildly persuasively then loudly imploringly but without the slightest effect on he sped faster and faster until he overtook another horse apparently a friend of his for he slowed down to a walk beside it i learned afterward that a sound similar to that used in america to make a horse go is used in india to make him stop so the poor deer did not understand in the least my frantic cries of woe the only other swift-moving animal that it was my misfortune to encounter in india was a camel this was in the north in the desert of rajputana there we were going to visit some tombs about five miles from the city the others went in carriages but i preferred to try the fleet-footed camel the creature knelt docilely enough to let me climb into the saddle back of the driver then he unfolded his many-jointed legs and rose throwing me forward and backward in a most uncomfortable manner he walked haughtily about the grounds of the guest-house a few minutes turning up his nose at everybody then suddenly let his hind legs collapse almost throwing me off the driver succeeded in making him understand that there was no use making a fuss that he would have to take us off across the desert he started at a gait so rough that i know of nothing with which to compare it at first i tried to hold to the saddle but it was too slippery so there was nothing to do but to throw my arms about the driver and hang on to him with all my might i returned in a carriage at mysore and several other places we saw camel carriages they make a queer sight these ungainly loose-jointed animals shambling along in the harness at bikanir we watched the camel corps drill the natives in this part of india are very finely built men and they look most imposing in their gaily coloured uniforms and turbans as they sit erect on the arrogant camels who snub even their masters there are so many slow lazy ways of travelling in india that it is difficult to say which is the slowest perhaps the bullocks when they walk are the slowest of all they do however sometimes trot and that at a rather brisk pace they are beautiful animals and very different from those in america their skin is wonderfully soft and silky between their shoulders is a large gristly hump from their chin down between their forelegs hangs a loose flabby fold of skin of these the most beautiful are the huge white bulls sacred to the hindu god shiva these lead a life of leisure and luxury they roam about the streets unmolested eating from the fruit and vegetable stalls at will some are housed in the temples of the god those who are not so lucky as to be held sacred have a rather hard time of it they do most of the heavy hauling and often suffer very cruel treatment from their drivers in fact no other animal is so much the victim of the cruelty and ignorance of the natives as these poor bullocks we drove in all sorts of curious-looking conveyances behind these somewhat refractory creatures 
once we drove out into a desolate region to visit some deserted temples seated on the floor of a bullet cart with an arched cover of plated bamboo over us the men along the road walked faster than our bullocks which went so slowly that had it not been for the jolting of the cart we should scarcely have known that we were moving in the southernmost part of the peninsula along the malabar coast where there are no trains we travelled in cabin boats rowed by natives it took them all night to row from quillen to tavendrum about fifty miles along the backwater they sang from the moment they began to row timing the strokes of the oar to the rhythm of their song in the morning they appeared as smiling and fresh as they had the evening before when we started in madras we rode in rickshaws like those of china and japan in many parts of india men take the place of animals both in carrying people and in transporting cargo several times we were carried up mountains in dollies by coolies these dollies consist of a seat swung between two poles by ropes they are carried by two or four men who trot off up the hill with the poles resting on their shoulders while the passenger dangles between them they used to come down the mountain so fast that we were quite terrified the seat would twist and sway hit against trees graze along the side of rocks while our porters would dance along talking and laughing without paying the slightest attention to us then there are various kinds of push carts used in different parts of the country of course the really indian way of travelling is on elephants very few however except princes and foreign travellers ever ride on these lordly animals in the zoos in calcutta and bombay there are elephants for the children to ride the riders climb steps to a platform the height of the elephant's back then jump into the howdah where they are tied fast to make sure of their not falling the old huti as the elephant is called there sways off waving his trunk flapping his ears and blinking his eyes he makes a tour of the gardens then returns to the platform to get other children in jaipur Kwalior, and a number of other towns where there is a fort on a hill elephants can be hired for the ascension the huge creatures knelt down while we clambered into the howdah with the aid of ladders when they rose it seemed like an earthquake to us on their backs they climbed the hill so slowly that the others of the party who walked arrived ahead of us our houthi would smell about carefully with his trunk before taking each step then he would put a huge foot forward cautiously and throw his great weight upon it slowly as if afraid that the earth would give way under him it took him so long to accommodate his four feet to each step that i was thankful he had not as many as a centipede to appreciate an elephant in all his glory one should see him in the splendour of princely procession designs in bright colours are painted on his forehead and trunk trappings of silver ornament his tusks head and ankles a rich cloth of gold and silver embroidery hangs over his colossal sides and on his back is perched a rare howdah often of gold and silver with silk hangings aloft in the howdah rides the prince resplendent with gold silk and jewels in front on the elephant's neck sits the mahout urging him on with strange-sounding grunts and prods from a short-pointed spear. The elephants are reserved for state occasions. 
most of the princes now have automobiles which they look upon much as a child does its latest toy the mass of the people depend upon the bullocks and horses to cart them about there are now also in most parts of the empire telephones and telegraphs but they are such ancient systems and so unreliable that they are not to be compared with ours india is through and through a lazy country where nobody is in a hurry End of chapter 3